It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to Rico Bronia, where we predict the 2023 New York Mets. We bring in a guy who I agree with like 95% of the time. The man who proclaimed that we won the division in June, <laughs> and now that's his most infamous thing. The overnight host of WFN, the star of SNY, Sal Akata. Sal, how you doing? Do man? we really agree 95% of the time? No, no way. No. We disagree no. at least that amount of time. I'm pretty good, man. I'm excited for the season. I found myself annoyed the other day because I fell asleep with Sal Licata on the radio. And when I fall asleep with people on the radio in my dream, I start arguing with them. But since I'm hearing them on the radio, they're not <laughs> responding to me and I get very offended. So I fell asleep with you saying, who cares that Darren Ruff may be on the team? And I was responding to you and you were never responding. So that's, yeah. So I disagree with you about 86% of the time. Hand wave, hand wave for you in your sleep. Like I didn't want to deal with your Darren Ruff hate. I know. Well, it's like, listen, it's not hate. It's just that he sucks. Are you well, okay with the fact that he DFA'd him, by the way? He's the 26th man on the He's not even no, on the roster, no. by the way. He's not even on the roster. It's irrelevant. He's irrelevant. No, no. He was never – see, this is where we disagree. He, he was never the 26th guy on the roster. He was going to be the designated hitter against left-handed pitching, which was going to happen twice in the first three games against the Marlins. That's not the 26th guy on the roster. Tim LaCastro is the 26th guy on the roster. I agree. But Darren Ruff was going to have a prominent role on this team, no? No, I don't think he will. Well, see, my bigger issue is that, like, Vogelback is a problem. He's a mm -hmm. prominent figure on this team who's going to be starting in their lineup at DH. He's a prominent figure. That, to me, is where the focus should be. Not on Darren Ruff, who, yeah, all right, he's one of the last guys on the bench. You don't want to give him 26, fine. He didn't even make the friggin' team. And not only that, if he did, yeah, he was going to be platooning against lefties. That's it. And if he didn't get the job done, he was going to be cut anyway. So uh, Vogelback's a bigger issue for me. That was my argument or my point. Yeah, I so here's the thing with Vogelback. I think that when he faces right-handed pitching and you keep him exclusively in that role, he's proven he's a productive player. Bull like last crap. year, he was bull crap. What do you mean bull crap? Bull How is that bull crap? Bull crap. What does he do? He walks. Well, he, he walks. He gets extra base oh, hits. Well, he extra hits for a little hits. bit of pop, not enough bull, pop. Bull crap. He's a he's a guy who cannot run. He cannot field. He does not hit for average, and he does not hit with power. So again, I ask, what does he do? He gets on base. He looks for walks. He gets on base. He clogs the base paths. Well, he's not fast and he's bad defensively. Obviously, I don't disagree with that. But against right-handed pitching, he hits for power. He gets on base. He's a productive player against right-handed pitching. That's what he's he been throughout homers. his career. He had 18 homers last year total. That's, that's power to you? Well, no, he, he did not hit for enough power when he came over here. He didn't produce as much as the hope was based on what he was doing in the first half of the season with Pittsburgh. Now, he wasn't as bad as Darren Ruff by any stretch, Dude, but he wasn't productive enough. Here's That's the bottom sure. line. You know what he is? He's a good brewer. He's a good pirate. He cannot be a New York Met on a team that is trying to win a World Series. Go get a real DH. That's my issue. They didn't have the options there at the deadline last year. Fine. I understand it. They have to do better than Daniel Vogelback. That's the bottom line. Well, I think that we're going to see how he produces in the first half of this season. If he doesn't produce enough, either the internal options of a guy like Brett Beatty becoming the DH or being aggressive at the trade deadline, much more so than we saw last year, and getting more productive players. Right. But I think for now, he's going to get a crack at it. I wasn't overly concerned about spring training. Spring training is weird. Hey, Tommy Pham did nothing. 
Does that mean he should never get an at-bat for the New York Mets? Probably not. Like, spring training is... I think sometimes, like, with Ruff, it, it mattered more because he was so bad last year that he continued it. But for certain other guys, it doesn't matter. I also don't think... I don't think Ruff was healthy. So they could say, you know, that he was, but I think it was up and down, plus the production or lack thereof last year, plus the bad spring. What the hell is going on? What are you, like, related to him? Like, what... Why no, are I'm you going just, out of your way to defend this bum yet Vogelback? You want to call him a fat I, slob? I'm like, not defending Ruff. I'm saying that part of the reason why I think he got released was I don't really believe he was 100% healthy. Plus, he wasn't very good. I'm not defending Ruff. I just don't understand all the fuss about it. Like, did you really think Darren Ruff, let's say he made the opening day roster. Did you really yeah. think Darren Ruff is going to be a significant part of this team moving forward? He wouldn't have been I on the thought roster he anyway. was. No, no, I thought he was going to play against every left-handed pitcher. Yeah, why all else is year? he there? All year, yeah. and then like no, 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 no. Okay, not all year. At some point, they would have realized what we all realized, which is he sucks, and they would DFA him. Right. I wasn't sure when. Right. Okay, but you saw last year with Cano. They still won 101 games. You saw last year with JD Davis and Dom Smith. Like, so it happens. The guys in April. We talk about this all the time for years. You and I. Like the roster in April is not going to be anywhere what it is in October, assuming that they. I, no, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think the difference was Billy Epler made this trade. You know, he inherited Robinson Cano. He inherited J.D. Davis. He inherited Dom Smith. Billy Epler literally traded four human beings for Darren Ruff. Right. That was his decision. So there's a little bit of can he own the mistake that he made? But I want to start with with these Met over-unders with D.H. because I find this interesting. Last year, the Mets production at D.H. was some of the worst in Major League Baseball. They hit 18 home runs at the position, and a bunch of them came from Pete Alonso when he was DHing on those days. Will the New York Mets collectively at designated hitter hit more than 18 home runs in 2023? God, that is a great, great question. I want to say yes, but I have no faith that they will. Because even though I do believe they're going to get a bigger bat at the deadline this year, I'm not sure... How, like, I don't like the way that they're already starting it with Vogelback. I don't like the idea that they DFA'd Ruff and didn't replace him with Vient, um, Vientos. So yeah. that, to me, is a, is a question mark. I guess best-case scenario right now would be Beatty up at third, Escobar, DH. Is he going to hit that many there? I'll probably, If I had to bet right now, I would probably say under that number. Oh, that would be... T- That'd be a problem right now. I know, it's a problem. But how can you say anything otherwise right now? We don't even know who the hell it's going to be. Yeah. So the reason I'm going to say, and I'm going to write this down, by the way. So we're going to hold ourselves accountable at the end of the season to see who is positive, negative, right, or wrong. I'm going to say yes, only because I have more faith in Vogelbach than you do. And I think that on his own, and he's going to DH like 80, 90% of the time. There'll be a few days where you want to get Pete a day. Vogelbach could play for a space, but I think most of the time Vogelbach's going to be the designated hitter. I think against righties, he's going to eat. I think he's going to hit 18 home runs on his own. Wow. Like, I think he may get to that number, or at least close to that number by himself. Let's say it's 15 home runs. Right. Then by accident, you're going to get over that number of 18. Remember, Dom Smith was DHing a lot early in the season. The guy didn't hit any home runs. Right. So, they were getting so little production early on from DH. So I'm going to say over. You're going to say under. Yeah, I think, I think it's about Vogelback. I, I I don't think he's good. So, yeah, I'll go under based on Vogelback. <laughs> Fair enough. Pete? Uh, I have to agree with Evan on this. I think that Vogelback, I don't think he's going to hit 18 himself, but I think he'll get closer to 15, which means that they 
as a collection, you need to get four or five more home runs. I think that Escobar and maybe Alonso and somebody else could do that. I'm not saying they're going to hit much over 20, but I think they'll hit 20 home runs as a DH. Now, speaking of home runs, this one, this is similar. Last year, Met catchers hit seven home runs all season long. Seven. And I think one of them was by Francisco Alvarez late in the season in those final three games against Washington. Will New York Met catchers hit more than seven home runs this year? Tomas Nito's back as a backup. Omar Narvaez obviously replaces McCann. Over under on seven home runs by catchers this year, matching or surpassing last year's total. Dude, I, I honestly had no idea that was the number. That is freaking embarrassing. Like, that's embarrassing. I yep. am 100% going over that. Narvaez will get it by himself. Remember, too, you, who was, uh, who was the, the guy last year? Mosaic? What, what the hell was it? Mazika. Mazika, yeah. Patrick Mazika. Right, so he the third catcher now is going to be Alvarez. He'll run into a couple. I don't care if he hits 100 uh, you know, batting average. He'll hit some homers in the event that he needs to catch. They will go way over that total. They have to. They have. No, no. I think that's The best answer is they have to. And by the way, just to further this, so the catchers last year for the New York Mets for a given amount of time was Tomas Nito, James McCann, Patrick Mazika, Michael Perez, Francisco Alvarez. Very, very quick with Alvarez. Combined, they had an OPS of 569, <laughs> which was 26th in baseball. Combined, they hit seven home runs, which was 29th in baseball. And they hit a combined 217. That so wasn't just so even you know, worst? That wasn't even the worst in baseball? <laughs> no, I know. 29th? Holy I cow. I thought the same thing. When I saw that, I was like, wait a second. There was another team that was worse? <laughs> How's that possible? Uh, I'm going to go with, I got to go with yes, just like you said. I know Narvaez has been up and down, but he did it 22 home runs in a year once. So he should be able to get to that number by himself. Are uh, we going to all go yeses on this, Pete? Yeah, there's no question. I, again, I think Narvaez will get 10 plus home runs. So I think I'm coming. I don't think Nito will have more than one, but I think Narvaez will have 10 home runs. All right. Speaking of catcher, Francisco Alvarez, the date of Francisco Alvarez's call up. Now, I disagree with something you just said, Sal. I don't think he's the third catcher. I think if somebody gets hurt, they're going to go to Michael Perez again. They're wow. going to go kind of depth and hey we need a guy who can play the position francisco is still learning so i'm not as confident that alvarez gets any kind of call up before september barring something bad happening which is what buck said and i i get why he said it his point was if alvarez has to come up early something bad happened either a bunch of guys got hurt we're getting so little production from the right-handed dh i don't think it's necessarily a compliment to alvarez if he's called up so i'm gonna believe buck even though Buck now lies to us when he says Darren Ruff's hitting 650 on the backfields, which was just such crap that he said that. I hated that. Merry Buckmas to you, he Sal. He was joking when I got around. That. Come on. It wasn't funny. Yeah. It wasn't funny. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say September 7th. I, I think they're going to wait, and I think it's going to be in September. And for some reason, 7 is a lucky number to me. September 7th. Sal? I'm going way before that. I mean, you want me to pick an exact month here? Sure. There, there, he will be up. I don't know. Look, I mean, throwing a, a month at the wall, whatever. But the reason he will be up is because they will need a DH. So it's going to be deep into the year because they want to make sure his game is tight or as complete as it can be. I would say post all star break, 
I'm gonna go maybe end of July, something like I'll go. I'll go July, the month of July. I think you'll see Alvarez. All right. Yeah, I mean, so that would be like a pre-trade deadline call-up, right. which is, I don't know how you felt about this. That's what we all, or me and Pete wanted last year. Before they made any trades, hey, let's see what the kids got. Let's call them up now. Right. Let's see them against left-handed pitching. Let's see. And obviously, it never happened. They waited so long to call up any of their young players last year. Uh, I'm going to go the exact opposite of you guys. I'm saying May May 1st. 2024. Wow. How's he getting called up? 2024. Yeah. Yeah, He's not getting called up this year at all, guys. I'm sorry. They've made that known. Michael Perez, as you said, is going to be the backup. Barring Nito and Perez and Navarez all getting like, you know, covert at the same time, he's not getting called up this year. Sorry. Wow. Well, you had me for a second. I forgot what year it was. Yeah. 2020. Oh, man. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I'm trusting the Mets. The the Mets are basic. If you, if we're going to trust what Billy Epler says and what Buck Showalter says, you know, and I think for the look, sometimes they're going to give us misdirection, but I think their plan is for this guy to be in the minor leagues all year. And if they struggle against left-handed pitching at DH, I think clearly Mark Vientos is going to be the first guy. So it it would take him failing then before Alvarez gets the call, which which I do think is very possible. Like you're not I, high on Vientos. Are you? I mean, not really. I'm not. I can't. Look, I'm not high on Mark Vientos. I I believe he earned the opportunity for us to take a look at him for an extended period of time. I don't think we ever got that last year. I thought he was productive in spring training the times I saw him, even against left-handed pitching. So it's more that's the guy next in line to get the opportunity, especially before the trade deadline. Because what if you give this right. guy a chance early on and he's really productive? Maybe they don't need to trade for a big bat at the deadline. Maybe that big bat's already there. Or, so I'm more of just trying to figure out what he is before the deadline. Well, what if they feel like he's not going to be impactful and they don't want to expose him and they could use him as a trade piece at the deadline? It's always a possibility right. that that's what they're thinking, that they don't believe in him. I know that last year, clearly Buck didn't love him because Buck made a comment about someone said, hey, Vientos had a really good year. And Buck's like, how? Almost like describe to me how he had a good right. year because I think he and others were down on his defense, which I get. That's a big part of baseball. Something but- something that I heard while I was down there uh, last weekend was that they Vientos was not a hard worker, oh, and that it took until I forget the exact injury. Was it Escobar that went down that they brought up Beatty? Beatty, yes. When that happened. Then it was like a light bulb for Vientos, like, oh, crap, I better get moving here. And he started to maybe pick it up a little bit with the work. So maybe that's why he was behind. Maybe that's why Buck wasn't maybe. in. But that's something maybe. that I heard while down there, yeah. Well, the key is, has that changed? That, that's the most important I do, thing to I like. do think it has. Okay. I do think that it has now because, like I said, Vientos was like, if he's seen Beatty get called up before him, maybe he – Feels like now he could go out and take extra batting practice and work right. a little bit harder while he's down there to get his way up, earn his way up. Interesting, interesting. Uh, speaking of Beatty, and I, I, I was I'm debating if I should make this third base or games overall because Beatty could come up and end up DHing a lot because of his defense. But then again, Eduardo Escobar is no you know Brooks Robinson at third base. Who will end up starting more games this year, Eduardo Escobar, or Brett Beatty? Escobar is going to get the head start. But Beatty is the top third base prospect in all of baseball. He's clearly close. 
he can get called up at any moment, especially if Escobar has a tough start to the year and Escobar can end up becoming the right-handed DH. Uh, do you stick with Escobar or do you think Beatty has a chance to actually start more games than him? Great. Another great one. I'm going to say it's going to be close to a split. I'll favor Escobar because he's got the head start. And I do think Escobar is going to have a good year. He's one guy I think is going to have a bounce back. So in the event Beatty does come up, I think it's going to be more about Escobar moving to the DH spot. And I think it's going to take a lot for that to happen initially. So I'd probably give Escobar a three-plus month head start over Beatty. I agree with you. I think the, the number one thing I agree with is I think Escobar is going to have a big year. I think that's one of the big differences offensively between last year and this year. While Escobar was great in September and the Mets probably fall behind Atlanta long before that three-game series without him in September, I think he's going to have a more complete full season, especially in a walk year like you talked about. So I think what's going to hold off Beatty from surpassing him, in my opinion, is that one of the guys who I think has a much better year this year than last is Eduardo Escobar, so I agree with you. Pete, you said, though, this is just for third base or this is games in total? I, You know, I'm going to say games in total because Beatty could be hurt by that because there's a chance ba- if Vogelback sucks the way Sal mentions, and maybe they move on from him and say, boy, this guy's terrible, Beatty could end up becoming the left-handed DH. And even though Beatty's looked better defensively at third, I wonder who they would prefer defensively. So... I guess we just make it games played because Beatty could be hurt by us just saying third base. If that's the case, then it's going to be Escobar. I still think Escobar. But if it's there, if it's third games at third base, I think Beatty could steal the job. Because like you said, I think Escobar is going to be the DH soon, the right-handed DH, and I think Beatty will take that spot. So I don't think that they're going to bring Beatty up to DH. I think if he comes up, he's playing third, and that's it. Pencil him in. Mm. He's going to be the third baseman every day moving forward. And I really feel, unless an emergency, they're not going to do that until they feel his game is, like, on point. No holes in it whatsoever. Even if his game gets better defensively, and I know he made that comment a few weeks ago about how something clicked recently, yeah. slow the game down, and he's been so much better defensively. Even if he goes down to AAA and he's looking like, uh, you know, Scott Rowland in his prime, and he's hitting the cover off the ball, if Escobar and Vogelback are productive, what's his role? Like, would he yeah. even get called up? Would there be an avenue for the Mets to call him up? No, he needs one of those guys to – see, I, I think that's the avenue is Vogelback, but he definitely needs one of those guys to underperform or get hurt. How, you're right. Where else is he going? He's not – I mean, that, that's right. it. Yeah. I, I guess one of the other possibilities, and I had mentioned this in the past, is that he gets called up. Uh, Escobar plays second, McNeil plays left. You know, let's say Mark is having a down you or Brandon Nimmo gets hurt or there's an issue in the outfield as opposed to Tommy Pham starting every day or Tim LaCastro starting every day. You have a guy in McNeil who's capable of playing the outfield. Escobar is capable of playing second base and that could create an opening that way or that but, way but as do well. You, I thought of that too. And I actually thought last year Escobar was going to be the second baseman to start the year. Do you think Buck would do that at this point where he's basically established Escobar as the third baseman. I I think he has to, because the Mets don't have a lot of outfield depth. If something happened to Nimmo or something happened to Marte or Canna gets hurt, who's playing the outfield? Does any of us want to see Tommy Pham play every day? No, they need an outfield. They need a one anyway, so. They they need one anyway, and Jeff McNeil's capable of it. And if he goes out and plays the outfield, that creates more openings. Now, they could simply like you said, keep Escobar third, let's say play Guillerme at second base. Sure, they could do that. But if it wanted, if they wanted to use that as an opportunity to create an opening for Brett Beatty, that's how you do it. McNeil plays left field or right field, wherever. 
Escobar plays second, Beatty plays third. Boom, you just got Beatty in the lineup, and it's really because somebody in the outfield got hurt, which is a distinct possibility. Like, right. are we really confident that Marte and Nimmo specifically are going to stay healthy the entire season? No. And in the event that the, one of those guys go down, you're right. They, they're thin anyway, and if one of those guys go down, they're, they're actually screwed. They're not even thin. They're, they're screwed without either of those two. Speaking of which, this is a perfect <laughs> lead-in. Brandon Nimmo last year played 151 games, which was tremendous. I, I'm not going to say is he going to play more than 151 because that's stupid. So I'm going to lower the number a little bit and go to 140. Can Brandon Nimmo play 140 games? Are we taking the over-under on that? Uh, I'd probably go under. I am surprised that he's going to be ready opening day. Um, I Again, I was down there the night that it happened, and then just talking to people the next day, seeing Nimmo speak uh, on Sunday. He seemed excited about it, but the feel was that he wasn't going to be ready to go early on. So I'm surprised at that. It's always something with him. I love his work ethic. I love his attitude. He's improved. I can't imagine he's going to stay healthy for over 140-plus games again, so I'd have to take the under. Yeah, I was going to make that number lower because Brandon Nimmo's track record, despite last year, is that he's going to miss a lot of time. And I'd be thrilled with a buck 40. I think I'd even be thrilled for a, a buck 30. I think if you told me right now he's playing 130 games, I'd say, okay, I think I'd take that. So I'm with you. I take the under. That's one of my bigger concerns. Uh, you say we're going to be screwed if those guys, Marte and Nimmo, get hurt. I got a tough time believing they're both staying healthy. Marte's coming off the groin injuries. Plus, he's had a history of having a tough time staying healthy. And Brandon Nimmo's always had a history of not staying healthy. You know, I, so, wonder, I wonder, too, Ev, if they get Nimmo. I was just thinking about this on the fly here. Maybe they give Nimmo more DH at-bats to try to keep him. And I know what he was in center field, but let's say with a guy like LeCastro... I don't know, if that or fam even, whatever. I Canada didn't look good in center field, but maybe you help try to keep Nimmo fresh by not putting him in center every day. By the way, a thousand percent, I think that's what they're going to do. And I think that's a part of why LeCastro's on this roster over Darren Ruff. Who's the right-handed DH? Is it Tommy Pham? It's right. probably Tommy Pham, but not necessarily as the DH because it could be Tommy Pham playing center field. Brandon Nimmo's the DH. Right. Tommy Pham playing right field. Starling Marte's the DH. So I do think that Nimmo and Marte specifically, based on the injury Marte is recovering from, and obviously the Nimmo scare and his history, I think that makes perfect sense. And I think that's likely how they're going to play it. But I would still, I'm with you, I take the under. I, I think, I hope I'm wrong. It's one of those things I definitely want to be wrong on, but I think he's going to miss time. Hoff? Well, because you just said the DH thing, I like that as an option. Plus, the fact is you do need to be lucky a little bit, and I do feel lucky about Nemo. He signed the big contract. I think he's going to prove that he has to play a lot, so I'm going to go the over 140 on that. The over. Some confidence. Let's go. Let's get to the big bats. Lindor, McNeil, Alonzo. The three big bats in this lineup. Pete Alonzo with 40 home runs last year. I'm going to make the over under 37 and a half, a little bit lower than that. You think he hits more than that this year? I think he goes way over. I think there's a better chance. Way over. Yeah, I think there's a better chance Alonzo hits in the 50s than he does in the 30s. So I'm going over that 37 and a half. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. What makes you say that? Because he stays healthy pretty much every year Dude, and he this came hits up, a ton of home runs? Yeah, the, I mean, this came up last night on the air during the show. So I was actually looking at the numbers. And now we watched it live, but when you actually look at the numbers, forget the pandemic year. The dude plays every freaking day. 
and he is mm-hmm. as consistent as can be. The average, the OPS, the slugging, the homers, the ribbies. He's, I mean, outside of the rookie where he hit 53, I mean, he's going to hit 40-plus home runs. He's going to hit 260. He's going to drive in 100 runs. The OPS is going to be 860, whatever it was. He is consistent. As it comes for three of his first four years in the big leagues, I just think the power is there. I, I think Alonzo, he's definitely hitting in the 40s. Better chance he'll hit 50 than 30. Well, he, here's what's crazy about Pete Alonzo. So his rookie year, he hits 53 home runs, rookie record. In 2020, he hit 16. But if you average that out over a full season, that's a 42 home run season, just to be fair. Now, and that was a doesn't down mean he would have done that. That was a down was that, year for him. That was a down year. And that for him. was a, yeah, 100%. That was the worst OPS he had in his career right. and he only had 230, but he had a lot of home runs to your point. Like he had 16 home runs in 57 games. That's a 40 plus home run pace. Then in 2021 he had 37 home runs. Last year he had 40. So you're right. Like his consistency has been basically 50 40 high 30s 40. So yeah, I I think what scares me about this is that through four years, he has been remarkably healthy. He has not had, like, any stints on the injured list. And that's what scares me. Not that he's going to miss half the season. I'm not suggesting that. But I think he's almost due for that fluky injury, for that hit batsman that costs him three or four weeks. And that sucks because, hey, what are the Mets going to do? Like, how do you how do you fill that power void? I, I don't want to be negative, but I almost think that he's so due for that injury where he misses three or four weeks – so I think he still has a power-filled year, but I think he misses three weeks. It costs him 40. He hits 35 home runs, something like that. That's why I would take the under on Pete. It's just a law of averages thing. It's not a lack of confidence in him more than it is. He's going to get hurt. I mean, he's, you know, guys right. get hurt. Who gets through full seasons year after year after year? It just doesn't happen. Well, I'm going to go the over on this, and I to Sal's point, I think that he's consistent. And I'm going to go at one up on this sale. I don't think it's going to happen next year, but I would say in the next five years, he'll be the no, next. No, don't do this. He's going don't to be the next this. guy to hit 60 plus home runs. Oh, it's going to happen. I I'm sorry. I and I, I, I said, I said that a while ago and I say it now, Pete Alonzo is on the track to hit that, do that. There's no doubt in my mind. He's that. Cause good. you know, cause you know what Pete does. Pete sees Aaron judge does, d- does something. And then he follows it up a year later. That's his thing. Or two the, years later. The thing I'll say about Alonzo, I, I've said this before. I don't know if you and I have had this discussion. Ev. I really think – I don't even think it's going to be close. When he's all said and done, he will be by far the greatest position player to ever wear a Met uniform. Like, I don't even think it's close. If they re-sign him, and I still am pretty hopeful that they will. Like, I think that despite the lack of a contract extension and any kind of talks, it doesn't feel like they're even talking. I do think push comes to shove. We may take some nervousness out of this. You know, we may have to deal with what uh, Yankee fans dealt with with Aaron Judge. But assuming they re-sign him, you're a thousand percent right. And it won't be close because you got to start to ask yourself right now, as we sit here today, taking Pete out of the equation, who's the greatest position player in the history of the New York Mets? Right. And you can David Wright, right? Well, I I don't know. I mean, well, you're not counting Piazza or Beltron. No, no, I'm, I'm counting. No, no, absolutely. I'm counting both guys. I just think in terms of the longevity of it, it's David Wright. I would put, if I'm ranking them myself, I'd go Piazza, Beltron, uh, excuse me, I go Piazza, Strawberry, Beltron, right. No, no, I. you're not wrong in terms of, like, if I'm taking one or two big-time seasons. I'm just saying, like, I would, so how do you ju- how are you judging it? Lifelong man? I think a lot of it is the, the longevity of it, the fact he was here his entire career, and that's what Pete would have. See, Pete would have both of those things. He'd have the monster seasons, and he would have he's a 15-year Met. 
that that's how I would judge it. But I get your right. point. If we're judging it just based on best seasons ever, then John Olerud would be up there, wouldn't he? No, but I like <laughs> the way that you put it where Alonzo's the combo of the high of Beltron, Strawberry, Piazza, and has the David Wright homegrown longevity. Nobody else can touch that. So Yeah, he'd have all that. Yeah. He'd have all that. Daryl had the homegrown. They let him go, you know, many years ago. Piazza has, and Beltron both have, the hired gun kind of mentality. And then you had David, who was there the entire career. And unfortunately, that freaking injury cost us everything. But no, no, you're, dude, Pete Alonso is going to own every record. This guy, this guy hits 35 home runs a year, and he does it for the next how many years? I mean, he hit 500 home runs. We may have one of those kinds of guys. He He may clinch this. In three years, maybe yes. not even like it's, it's, it's almost there now. You know what he's about to clinch. And I don't know if you put that much stock in this, but he's a year away, not this year, but next year from passing Keith Hernandez for the most starts at first base on opening day. So he's going to take the opening day record at first base quickly. And then he's going to eventually take the all time opening day record. So he's right. going to be Mr. Met in so many ways. No doubt about that. They just better resign him. Can't F around. Right. Can't have a DeGrom situation all over again. <laughs> oh, by the way, we have a DeGrom over under coming up uh, coming oh, up soon. God. Don't worry. Under. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff McNeil at 326 last year. I'll make it 310. Jeff McNeil at 310 this year. Um geez. I mean, he should roll out of bed hitting 300. I'll go over. I'll go over McNeil. Yeah, I'm going to go over two. Uh, I think especially, you know, we're trying to figure out, does the lack of a shift help certain guys? Does it hurt certain guys? I think McNeil's one of those guys that will find the hole against anybody, right. you know, whether it's the shift, non-shift. And the only thing that scares me is that when Jeff McNeil tries to hit for power, his average starts to dip. So hopefully Jeff McNeil doesn't go back to what he's done a few years ago and kind of sticks with what works, which is slap the ball all over the place. You don't have to hit for a lot of power. And go out and hit 320, 325. So I'll take the over on that, Pete. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to take the over. There's no doubt in my mind that he's going to hit over 300. And, I mean, again, if the numbers that I think a batting average is going to be a real stat again, it's going to be the average is definitely going to go up in total. And I think that there's no chance. I mean, he might hit 350 if, 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 if numbers go up as high as I think they could. Yeah, I feel good about that, too. Francisco Lindor last year had a 788 OPS. All right, had a pretty good year at 26 home runs, drove in over 100 runs, but his OPS was 788. Does he do better than that this year? Yeah, I think he will. I think he's going to hit more homers. I just get that feeling Lindor's going to have another big year. Um, I don't know why that is. I mean, I love him as a player. In year two, he's been great. I think defensively, you're going to see – Great improvement because of the, the shift now or the banning of the shift. So I think that'll be good. But I do think he's going to go over that. I think he'll hit more home runs. That This is a guy who's at 38 in a year, to your point. So we've seen that he's capable of, have a, of having that kind of monster year. I'm going to say the over on that, too, because I think his slugging goes up based on what you said. I also think to what Pete said, batting averages are going to go up around baseball. So I think you know he's just going to be a more productive player. So I'll take the over on Lindor, Pete. Yeah, I think I have to to triple down on that. I think it's simple. OPS is definitely going to be over 800. So so think about this, all right? All of us are very confident about Lindor, McNeil, and Alonzo. 
all of us are taking the over, basically, that they're going to have better or as good a years as they had a year ago. And that's really the key. Because if those three guys are that productive, then the Mets should score a lot of runs, which leads me to, will they match their total from last year? They scored 4.77 runs per game. They were fifth in Major League Baseball. I'll base it on... I'll base it on rank, okay, more than runs per game. Are the Mets going to have a top five offense in Major League Baseball? No, no, I don't think they will because I don't think last year they were. I know the numbers say that. Watching them, they weren't there. And while I do believe in those individual players as a whole, and by the way, the fact that all three of us think that all three of those guys are going to be huge, you know what that means. I mean, just law of averages. Somebody's going to get hurt. Somebody's going to underperform. <laughs> it's natural. Now, I do think maybe they get an uptick from, let's say, the DH spot or catcher or third base, but I don't think their offense is a top-five offense. Where you look at even maybe a team like the Phillies were significantly better than they were a year ago with the addition. I know they lose Hoskins, but they had Trey Turner. I'm going to say no for the Mets. You know, the Philadelphia Phillies have a lot of guys in their lineup that we look at and say, oh, my God, Trey Turner, Castellanos will bounce back. They'll get Bryce back in the second half. Schwarber's a beast. They've got three guys in their lineup that you can't trust. They've got a brand-new first baseman. They're trusting Bryson Stott now to play every single day. Brandon Marsh is the center fielder. Like, they have some scary guys in their lineup, but they also have three, four guys that you look at and say, I don't know what those guys are going to do. So I think that you can do that with a lot of teams in baseball where, yeah, they got four or five guys that are scary, but what about six through nine in the Philadelphia Philly order? Is that really – is Stott and Marsh – and who's the kid who's going to play first base? Uh, the left-hand hitter. I, I forget his no name. Idea. He played like a handful of games. Derek Hall. Derek Hall. Okay. Does Derek Hall, Brandon Marsh, Jake Cave, and Stott scare you? Does that put the fear of God in you? No, but you could say the same thing about the Mets. You know, where would you rank the Mets lineup in their own division? I think the Mets lineup is deeper than the Phillies lineup. Wow. I do. I think the Philly lineup, because think about this. They're relying on unproven commodities, too. Where they have the edge, I'll give it to them, is Trey Turner is one of the best players in baseball. Kyle Schwarber is one of the best sluggers in baseball. Castellanos absolutely bounces back this year. Harper, it's going to be a while, but once he plays, he scares the crap out of you. And JT Realmuto. So they've got, like, guys. But we can't ignore that Brandon Marsh is playing every day. That Derek Hall is playing every day. That Stott is playing every day. That Alec Baum is, he's okay. Don't get me wrong. right. They got a lot. I, I think sometimes what we do as fans is we look at the stars of the other well, teams. Well, their stars are significantly better than the Mets stars. I don't disagree. And they have multiple of them. You just said it. They have so you like where's the I could pick out three holes in the Mets lineup as well. Right? Like you're looking do at the, you the think let me ask you this. So Met lineup is probably Nimmo, holding up my fingers here, Nimmo, Marte, Lindor. Alonzo, McNeil five, what? let's say Vogelbach six. Right. And now you're looking at Mark Canna, Eduardo Escobar, and Omar Narvaez seven through nine. Yeah, all right. So is that I, really that bad to you? No, it's it's not good. Vogelback to me is a problem. And McNeil hit McNeil should be sixth and they need a real five hitter. 
then they're then they have a real lineup. That's why we like. I 100 percent agree. The Phillies five hitter is scarier, but what about the Phillies seven through nine, especially with Bryce Harper on the injured list for the first few right, months but, of the year? But the argument is their top four or five are better. So you're right. Where the Mets, the Mets bottom three may be better. But the Phillies' top four or five are better than the Mets. You know? Yeah, but are they significantly better? That's the other thing, too. Like, you were talking about, yes, obviously, we talked about how the, the top end of that Philadelphia Phillies lineup is, is great. But the Mets aren't that far behind. We just talked about how Alonzo, Lindor, and McNeil are, are still really good. You know, and, and, and Marte, and not for nothing, but Marte and Escobar and Kana, they're all professional hitters. That's the other thing we're ignoring here. Trey Turner, Schwarber, Bryce. Real Muto, those four guys are better than anything the Mets have. And, and you leave out Castellanos, who has to bounce back from last year. He is he is a tremendous hitter who had so a terrible five, year last year. How, who's, who's, where's the comp? Like with the Mets? No, the, the comp is, here's the comp. It's Brandon Nimmo, Francisco Lindor, Starling Marte, Pete Alonso, and Jeff McNeil. They're very different, right. but that's the top five. Those are the five stars of the Mets. Those are the five stars of the Philadelphia Phillies. But I would argue, and the Phillies are better. I am not arguing that. But the rest of the Philly lineup is what? I mean, think about it. The Hoskins injury is a monster deal, especially in a contract year. What do you think hurts more, though? Because I was making this argument, too. The Mets had the advantage over the teams in their division, clearly in the bullpen. Yes. Now now that's been leveled. Where the plan hundred percent. So if I'm giving the Braves and Phillies an advantage in the lineup, the Mets had the X factor in the bullpen last year. Now they lose that. You know, where, where's what's more important, the Diaz injury or the Reese Hoskins injury? Yeah, it's it's tough because guys who play every day will impact more games. But there's no doubt, and this is the way I framed it, very similar to what you just said. The New York Mets had something no other team in baseball had. Forget the division. A right. dominant Mariano-like closer. There was nobody close. Don't give me Emmanuel Classe. Edwin Diaz was far and away the best closer in baseball. Everyone else had to worry a little bit. Now the Mets are with everybody else. The Met bullpen, you know, you could throw it in the air. Who knows? Uh, who the hell knows? Right. Sir Anthony Dominguez, who knows? David Robertson, who the hell knows? Some Frank Kimball, yes, who knows? Night. Right, exactly. It's all the so I agree with you. The Mets are now a part of everyone else. They're they don't have that same distinct advantage because of the Diaz injury. I agree with that. Doesn't mean they can't win. Doesn't mean the bullpen's gonna suck. It just means they don't have the huge edge that they used to have. Totally but, agree. But now couple that with having a lineup that is not as good as the other two. Right? As close as it may be, they're still not on the level offensively as Atlanta or Philadelphia. So you're going under on the fifth in baseball, 4.77 runs per game. I, I'm i mixed on this because I think they're going to be pretty much the same. I think they're going to almost match it. So I guess I'll slide a little bit with the I, – I, my gut is to say under, but not a terrible under, like a, a very close under. So I'm going to go with – I'm going to even write this down. Very close <laughs> under. Because if they score four runs a game, I wasn't right, under or not. Like it's got to be close. You're you almost make it seem like they're not they're not going to be close to what they did last year. Uh, I mean, I still think they'll be top ten, right? But that's you know that's a pretty significant fall from a top five offense. Where, by the way, we wanted them to get better. The offense right. wasn't good enough, so you wanted to go from five to maybe top three. I think they're going to go from five to maybe let's say seven or eight, something like that. Pete. 
I say they're going to be better because I uh, over. I should say because what other te- what other teams are better? We talked about Phillies and the Braves, fine, but give me the rest of the leagues. Like who else? I mean, are, maybe the Yankees, maybe, but I I still think that the Mets could score enough runs. They could find ways to score runs. I'm not concerned. I think they're going to be a top five. All right, I got three guys we're going to do this for. Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, and Jacob DeGrom. They're all going to be a part of this. 150 innings, 25 starts, a sub-3 ERA, all right? Let's start with 150 innings. Scherzer, Verlander, DeGrom, are they over that number? Are they under that number, each guy? I think Scherzer goes over, the other two go under. Because well, why for Verlander coming off the year? You think he's going to miss time? Are yeah, they going to maintenance I, him? I feel like that's but yeah, I feel like it's been a pattern with him. Um, maintenance, whatever. He maybe miss a couple of weeks. Um, I just don't get the feel that you're going to get. I, I'm not saying he's going to be bad. I think he'll be there in the most important times. But I think mostly maintenance and maybe just, you know, an injury here or there, a, a little thing for Verlander. DeGrom, there's no chance he gets that. And I think Max I think Max is going to be a bulldog stud this year and go out there and dominate uh, every fifth day most times. I, I This is fascinating to me because you're, you're the perfect person for this. What is – why the love affair for Max Scherzer? I, oh, my God. I don't understand this. Why not? What don't you love about Max Scherzer? He, I want to make this very clear. He shit the bed in a wild card game and got booed off the mound after having multiple injured list uh, appearances because of his freaking oblique or hip or whatever the hell it was. He was hurt. Can I start there? He was hurt. He was not 100%. Oh, so being hurt's okay with him when it's other guys. Ah. This oh, he took the pitch. mound. He took the mound. The other guys don't take the mound. That's the, the difference. other guy didn't get booed off the mound in a playoff game because he won his playoff game. Yeah, he got oh, Scherzer, hey. Scherzer when he's hurt, pitches through it. He took the mound. And you know what? DeGrom doesn't want to do that because he's afraid of the result like Scherzer, who was not. He didn't want to get that result and get booed and get ridiculed. I, look, I think Scherzer, and this is not even a knock on DeGrom. This is just about me loving Max Scherzer. I love his attitude. I love his competitive nature. The guy's an absolute stud to me. I was crushed when he got beat, especially against Atlanta, because I thought he was going to be dominant. But he was hurt. Turns out he was hurt. So that's the excuse. I think he's going to be great this year. I, I, in theory, love Max Scherzer, too. Because, in theory, who doesn't want that bulldog? That guy who's a first-bout Hall of Famer. That guy who's won multiple Cy Young. So, I don't have ill will towards Max, but I'm judging him what he's done here. And what he's done here was crap the bed multiple times in big games. And you could cite how hurt he was. You know what? He took the field and he sucked. Right? That, that's what I know. And everything he says, guys like you, you eat out of his hands. Like, you know, the reason I had that opt-out is because I wanted to make sure I'm on a winning team. I bet you you touched yourself to that comment, too, and said, oh, isn't that great? <laughs> I love Max. Oh. No, I didn't care about that. I, I love I love, <laughs> I love, love his attitude. I don't get how you can possibly – you see, here's your thing. You're Go such ahead. a Met Homer DeGrom-loving fanboy <laughs> that you're – it goes back to Max with the Nationals versus DeGrom with the Mets. That's what this is. You have not gotten over that. Those battles with Max as a national. It, it really is simply last year. 
that that's my my anger and my bitterness is towards how the season ended. That's it's simple as that. It it doesn't go back to the Grom versus Scherzer. And look, I'm bothered that they didn't keep the Grom. I am, and I think he's going to prove you wrong because when I look at these 150 innings, which is a nice kind of number to look at these days, no longer 200 innings. Right. If we we're doing this podcast five years ago, that'd be the number. I think Max is going to have the under because Max is going to have a new injury. I don't know what it is, but there's going to be something. Something's going to come up. Maybe it's an oblique. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. I think he hits the under, and I, I disagree with you completely. I think Verlander will go out and make every start when they ask him to, and I think DeGrom is actually going to be relatively healthy. I don't know if he makes 30 starts, but does he make 27, 26? Yeah, I could see that. And I think he throws 150 innings. He's starting on opening day. We're talking so about he's just, good to go right We're from talking the about just this year, right? One year? Just this year, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I, I, well, one time I had Todd Frazier on my radio show, and I was like, "All right, Todd, give me some numbers for the year." He's like, uh, two fifty, thirty-five, and a hunch. and he was right. But it took him two years to get there. <laughs> so I'm talking about, I'm talking about one season with Degrom. Degrom may make thirty starts. It might take him the rest, of the length of that contract to get there. Will you be mad if he if he goes out and makes thirty starts? No, like if honest, he's healthy. Honestly, I'm over it. I, I, it's not. I have no ill will toward him. Or whatever. I'm, I'm. You know, look. I'm. I wish it could have worked out here as well. I don't think he wanted to be here, but we went down that road. I would not be mad if he pitches well. I, I don't think the Mets are taking a chance. You're going to pay attention to his starts or not even care about it? Um, d- define pay attention. Look at the box score or watch it. Uh no, I wouldn't say watching it takes. <laughs> You've you've got a kid now. I can't. I don't yeah. think you're gonna do are that. You, but are you gonna score the games that he pitches for Texas? Is the question. All right, let, let me. I will not score the games he pitches for Texas. <laughs> but but full transparency, he's been a longtime keeper of mine in fantasy, and I did not change that this year. I did okay. not dump him. I didn't move on. So I think a lot of my viewing habits with Degrom isn't gonna just be my fanboyness. It's gonna be hey, he's the right. ace of my fantasy team. I I want him to do well. I'll so, be yeah, I'll be intrigued at what it starts, no question about it. There is of course you have to be. Come on. So I'm going under Max over with Verlander and Jake, complete opposite of you. Pete, what are you doing? Uh they're all going over. I think Max is gonna hit two hundred innings because he's made a point that he wants to. I feel like he's gonna rebound from last year, has a vengeance like like Sal said. I think Verlander will hit hundred and fifty, but it's more like a little bit above 150, not much more than that, but he'll make the starts. And then I do think the Grom's going to have a hell of a freaking season. Wow. If, he wins a, if he's going to win a Cy Young in the AL, I wouldn't be surprised. Wow. Both of you guys. I, I So this may sound weird. I want the Grom to do well. Obviously, I just laid out the fantasy purposes. I do not want him winning a Cy Young. Like That's my, my cutoff is I don't want it to be that good. Because then it would just, it would piss me off. It would destroy, I'd be so angry at everybody. I'd be angry at the Mets. I'd be angry at you, Sal. I'd be angry at John Heyman. I'd be angry at Jake too, by the way. Because I've always said to you, I don't know if he wanted to come back or not. I'm not like defiantly telling you he wanted to, I don't know. I would just be so freaking bitter at everybody if this guy went out and won the Cy Young. I don't know <laughs> how I'd feel. Yeah, I don't know how I'd feel at that point. Probably not not as angry as you, but I would be bothered even more so if he won. The, I, I'm very confident he's not going to, though, which is why I'm kind of just like, whatever. <laughs> I, 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 To me, 13 starts, if he makes that, I'd be surprised. Oh, come on. Yeah. Really? Yeah. If over under 15 starts for me would be the number I'd put. <laughs> I'd go under. All right. I'll leave out the starts thing, but uh, sub-3 ERA – 
I almost want to go under with everybody because the one thing about Max is he'll pitch really well when he pitches, even if he misses time. I'm going to surprise you with uh, Verlander. I'm going to go over. And with the other two, I'm going to go under. I think Verlander makes every start, but I could see him having like a 3-2, 3-3 ERA, a couple of games where he just can't throw strikes. We've seen that in spring training. A couple of games where he just gets bombed. His velocity's down. So I could see Verlander having an ERA above three. So I'm going to go under Max, over Justin, under with Jacob DeGrom. Yeah, I am going to agree because even if DeGrom doesn't stay healthy, he doesn't give up any runs when he is healthy. So you can't right. go over that number. Three is like, forget it with him. So uh, definitely under DeGrom. Uh, I'm definitely going under Max. And I agree with you. The thing that, look, I'm not putting any stock in spring numbers, but the fact that Verlander would walk 10 guys in mm. spring, that's a little disconcerting to me. I think he'll be okay but I don't think he's going to be the dominant Justin Verlander. The hope is that he makes it through the season healthy and he dominates Atlanta, Philadelphia in the postseason. That's it. No, I completely agree with you. He doesn't need to win a Cy Young. I have no emotional attachment towards Verlander or Scherzer winning a Cy Young. I don't care. Just go out, beat your division rivals, stay healthy, and be there in October. And hopefully be productive in October because both guys have some you know, kind of average to mixed track records in the big moments. So you have a chance to exercise those demons in a way, even though both guys have won a championship. All right. The overall predictions for this team, this is a tough one. The amount of wins and where we finish in the standings and postseason If we make it, how many wins is this team going to win? Sal? you're not giving us a number to go over under. It's going to be an exact, no. I'm going to go 90. Nope. I'm going to go 93, 93. Yeah, the reason why I'm giving you – I want to do an over-under is because I want to know exactly what we're thinking here. Like, what are we doing? Like, where's this season going? So you go 93 wins. That's obviously making you the playoffs. Is that winning the division or is that one of the wild-card spots? Is the NL East over, Sal? <laughs> as, much as, as much as I'd like to say that it is, and I do the, – the Diaz injury ruined my feel. I believe in Steve Cohen. I believe in Billy Epler. I think they're going to be aggressive – but sometimes, no matter how hard you try, it's just not your year. The Diaz thing really set a bad tone here. Uh, I, I can't confidently say I think they're going to win the division right now. I don't think Atlanta does. I think maybe, you know, law of averages again, maybe Mets, Philadelphia. But right now, uh, I cannot say I feel 100% comfortable with the Mets winning the division. But you have them in the playoffs, which is, you know, one thing we learned about last year that's really all that matters. By the way, so I'm not going to say I'm not going to say which one, but I talked to both Buck and Billy Epler and one of them, because I was talking about, oh, does the regular season has it been devalued or diminished? One of them said that the buy could be harmful. And the other one was like, it's all about the buy. You got to get the buy and then get the rest and all that stuff. Really? I was shocked, actually. I I thought it was surprising to hear just contrasting. Yeah. Right? I, you know, I, I find that fascinating because I, the buy may be harmful, and it certainly looked that way in the National League last year. It did not look that way in the American League. I mean, it didn't affect right. the Yankees or the Astros. I just think it's one of those get me to the furthest round in the postseason. Right. I look at it very simply. Just get me closer 
to a World Series. I want the buy. I don't care who says it doesn't have any, you know, it does harm. No way. Get the buy and worry about it after the fact. I, I agree with you. Now, that doesn't mean you can get a third wild card spot and not go on a run. We saw the Phillies do it. We've seen the Padres do it. But it's not the best formula. The best formula is to go win the freaking division. Right. Can you give me one guess uh, on who said what? Um, I don't can know I, if this is. Can I make a guess? I can tell you all the yeah, get it. I, I, I'm just going to take a guess. I, I'm curious uh, both your guesses. I'm, yeah, I'm curious both your guesses. I'm not going to answer it, but go ahead. Buck, I, my guess – yeah, go ahead, Pete. You can go first. Let's Buck, see if I agree with you. Buck is old school. He's going to say we don't want the time off. We want to keep on playing. And Eppler is going to say we need that buy. I completely agree. That was my that was my initial reaction. That Buck is the thinking man's man, and he's like, eh, you know what? Too much time off, eh. Could create some issues. That's my gut. I will. I don't think this is a big deal that I even share this. I will confirm that that is correct. And the conversations, like it wasn't anything specific. I was just talking with Buck about scheduling or or I forget even how it happened. And I just said something about the regular season being kind of devalued a little bit. And then he mentioned that about the bye. And Terry Collins said the same thing. And Collins, not that he had the bye, but when they swept the Cubs, he said that that hurt him. He said the layoff hurt them in 2015. So that's yes. two managers that said, that said that they were worried. You know, Collins experienced it. Buck is saying he thinks the bike could be harmful. And Epler, in, a, in whatever other conversation, just in kind of passing, mentioned that, you know, obviously the goal you want to get a buy. And yeah, that. no, and they're both right. Like, in a way, like I totally understand why it would be a negative, but I just want to be further into the postseason. I mean, and have my rotation set up and be playing at home, which right. is what winning the division with a top two record gives you. I have this feeling... And I, I, I mean, I'll give you my prediction on this. I think we're going to win 90 games this year, which I know doesn't sound great off the top. It's, it's kind of disappointing. But to your point, the Edwin Diaz thing is freaking scary. There's going to be a handful of games they will not win this year that they would have won last year. There's going to be some games where they don't have that magic. The Mets had a lot of magic last year. That game against the Cardinals early in the year, the two comebacks against the Phillies, felt like there were a handful of games, the opposite of 2019, where they lost all these games they should have won. I think there was a lot of those games that went their way. So I think the win total drops, but they do make the playoffs with one of the wild card spots. I do not think they're going to win the division. I think the Phillies are going to win the division. And even though I was criticizing their lineup, a big part of why I think the Phillies are going to win the division is I love their rotation. I think Zach Wheeler wins the Cy Young this season. Aaron Nola's in a contract year. Ranger Suarez is real good. Their bullpen is intriguing to me. That's a chance to be really good with the Soto trade. I don't know if Kimbrell has much left, but Dominguez can be. I, I, I think the Phillies kind of build off of last year and win the division. But here's where I think things change. I think we go on a run. I don't think we're winning the World Series. I never have the balls to predict that. I'm sorry. But I think we're actually going to get to the NLCS. I think we go on like a little Padre kind of run where I wouldn't even be surprised if we beat the Phillies. They go win the division, we go take them out. And I think we end up in the National League Championship Series, and I think we lose. So 90 wins, no division, but a surprising playoff run. Now, more specific, Sal, 93 wins. They don't win the division. What the hell happens after that? Though? Right. I, I And I agree with you with the Phillies. As I said, I don't think the Braves are going to win it this year. So I guess by default, if I'm not feeling great about the Mets, as much as I want them to and I want to pick it, especially after last year, because believe me, even with the NL East's over stuff from last year, I would be singing and dancing if they won <laughs> it this year. 
Um, but I don't envision that being the case. I, it's tough, man. We're not used to dealing with these expectations as Met fans. And think about this. This is going to be, unless it's a catastrophe, the third time in the franchise history that they will be in the postseason in consecutive years. I mean, that's hmm. to me, I still can't comprehend how that is possible. 99 and 2000, 15 and 16, and then it should happen this year and beyond. They're built to go win a World Series. The Diaz stuff shows you bad luck. They're not loaded. So I wouldn't be surprised if they – I don't think they're losing in the first round, put it that way. Whatever first-round series they play in, I think they're winning. After that, I'm, I'm not so sure. I mean, obviously it depends on the health and a lot of different things, but I can't sit here and predict that they're going to go to the World Series as is right now. Pete? Yeah, well, I was going to show you the, my my phone, but my wife turned the lights off in the in my, my basement right now, so I, <laughs> I can't. Show it. But uh, I actually had ninety three and sixty nine for the Mets total uh, going into the season. That's going to put them third in the division. Phillies will finish second. Braves will take it again. Wow, it, it, it is what it is. But they're going to make the playoffs, which is all that matters. You're right. I don't know if I could really predict them to win the World Series this year. I like the Padres a lot. And that, that I feel like they are in an all-in type of mood. So I think they're going to really, at the trade deadline again, go all-in. And I think that – I don't know if the Mets and Padres are going to face in the, you know, the 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 to, to go to the World Series. But, I mean, that that's where I feel like I think the Padres are going to one-up them again. So all of us are basically saying low 90s, wild card, eh, win a round or two. And then we don't go to the World Series. That's that's where we are right a now. Little, We're basically Yankee fans. A little step back before hopefully the final steps forward. I mean, sometimes it's just nothing you could do. You, you got and, and by the way, it sucks because you went from Correa in addition to what they had, fully healthy, thinking this team is absolutely loaded, World Series or bust, to losing Correa, then losing Diaz, and now it's kind of going into the year where the, to your point, the miracle wins that they had last year, like there's just no way that stuff holds up, and they are worse now than they were a year ago. The, the, the great part about it, and I don't know if it's the great part about it, but it's simply just get to the playoffs. Yeah, right. And, and that's all that matters because for all the magic the Mets had in 2022, where did it get us? It got us to this just nondescript best of three loss at a dead city field. Like it's amazing that, that, that season turned into that. Like, it was it was depressing, and so if we get a, a regular season in which the Mets win eight or nine fewer games and don't even win the division, but get hot in the postseason, that's a better year because that's where we are now. We're judged on postseasons. We are. Uh, this is the NBA. I mean, baseball's become more like the NBA than it ever has. Where just get to the postseason, and that's where you'll be judged based on what you do then. Yeah, and after hearing you talk about that, I think maybe the better question is, and you kind of just answered it, will the Mets have a better year overall or a better season overall? Yeah. And I think when you factor in the three games in Atlanta, the wild card round that you described, I think the season will end in a better fashion than it did last year, even if the result is not winning the division uh, again. But do you agree that despite all three of us not thinking they're going to the World Series, that the expectation is this season is a disappointment unless they get there? Now, I, that's where I'm at. Like, they can go get to the NLCS, an exciting run. They lose a seven-game series to whomever. It's going to suck. You know, you got two aging guys at the top of the rotation. 
you never know when you're going to get back. We see how difficult it is. I own that. Like losing in the LCS is not enough for me. It would be disappointing no matter how it goes to not win a championship. They got the highest payroll in baseball. They got two legendary pitchers at the top of the rotation that this is your best shot with them. They got to win. Yeah, but the one thing is they did bring in a lot of talent, but they haven't brought that one person that's going to put them over the top. So I don't know if I could be disappointed. They didn't bring the Shohei Otani in that's going to be like, oh, well, clearly now we're the best team in baseball. Yeah, but Pete, they have a $300 million payroll and they've got two legendary pitchers leading their rotation, making $45 million a year. Tail, I mean, tail end of their career. And again, I'm not trying to be a douche, but everyone said it. They spent all this money just to retain what we had last year. But they also lose their closer. Like for me, that is that is such a huge freaking blow before the season even gets started. And it's not just for a few months. It's for the entire year. But Sal, Sal, let me ask you this. In 2012, when the New York Yankees lost Mariano Rivera and Rafael Soriano did fine and the Yankees won the division and they lost in the ALCS to Detroit, it was the same year Jeter got hurt. Mm -hmm. Did they lose because of the closer? No, but the Yankees were built better. I mean, I don't remember that team exactly, but they've always had better lineups than the Mets have right now. The the Mets were not, you know, Diaz was a great strength of theirs last year, a great separator of theirs, especially when you're talking about down the stretch. We didn't see him in the postseason, but that's a weapon in the playoffs. You think playoffs, like, I agree. You, how are they winning a World Series without that guy? You need that guy. Where's he yeah, coming you- from? But but look who's won the World Series and look at the guys they've had. You know, the Atlanta Braves won a World Series with Will Smith getting their biggest outs. Right, and without Ronald Acuna, I get it. But yeah. they, also, they also had a loaded lineup that hit home runs. The Mets don't have that. So what's the Mets' greatest strength right now? Their starting rotation? I yes. Mean, and even that, you know, we saw Scherzer, whether he's hurt or not, down the stretch, we saw what happened with him. Verlander's never been a good world, you know, postseason pitcher necessarily. And you talk about the age. We don't know what we're getting from Kodai Senga. And by the way, he's replacing a guy who was reliable every fifth day in Chris Bassett until, of course, the end, the biggest games where he sucked. But, like, I don't – that, to me, that strength is not as great as it needed to be, or even as it was maybe last year even with, yeah, uh, I with, think- with LT DeGrom down the stretch. I think that their strength in theory would be the two legendary pitchers at the top of the rotation and then a lineup that just grinds you. They have a grinding, non-striking out Astros kind of lineup. It doesn't put the fear of God in you, but they will grind you. And I think that's their strength right now, but that could look very different in four months. We shall see. They need need some more bumping to go along with that grinding. We need at least... One more power bat. Evan like doesn't that. get that reference. Yeah. No, I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why would you assume I don't get it? I don't know. Bump and grind. Who knows? Um, I I'm, get it. Yeah. I want to put that on a t-shirt. That's better yeah. than your <laughs> WBC t-shirt. Worthless baseball. Oh, classic. come on. Get that it? shirt's great. It's going to be a number one seller. Yeah. <laughs> right next to Mary yeah. Buckmas. Well, look. Just remember, if we don't win a World Series, at least we got to the finals of the World Baseball Classic, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. At least the U.S. <laughs> right. What's the difference? What happens the rest of the season? I mean, the World Baseball Classic <laughs> is over. The real games are finished. 
Now it's just the exhibition games. That's all we have left. Yeah, right. Anyhow, I appreciate it, Sal. I wrote all of this down, so we okay. will hold ourselves accountable and see how right or wrong we were at the I, end of this season. I do love looking back at this stuff and just thinking of how foolish we sounded at the time. Oh, dude. I We're going to do a, a podcast, uh, Rico, where we do our MLB predictions. And I told Pete, I, I write them down. Like, I always write them down. Right. And I hold myself accountable. So we're going to spend a few minutes going through some of my predictions over the last 10 years because they're, f- they're foolish. Now, I-, I hit some, but a lot of them are like, what? By the you way, had the Mets winning what? I'll, I'll leave you with this. Sometimes you don't have to write them down or even hold yourself accountable. If you make a bold enough prediction at the <laughs> wrong time, plenty of people hold, hold you accountable for it even years later. Really? Yeah. <laughs> When you go back uh, down to Atlanta in 15 years for some reunion, they, they're going to celebrate you. Hey, it's the division is over guy. You know, what, you know what sucks about it the worst is that forget the Braves fans. The Mets fans. Yes. The Mets fans hate me for it. I was legit getting harassed at City Field during those crappy playoff games, which, by the way, I will never be sitting in the upper level again. That. <laughs> no, call me bougie all you want. No, thank you. No, but seriously, I mean, guys, call me blaming me for the freaking division. Please, come on. My only anger towards you was right when you said it. In fairness, we had you on the pod like two weeks after, right. to which I said, what are you doing? The division isn't over. <laughs> I feel from now on, I won't get on you for it. Let everyone else do it. I'm out. I'm done. I do not blame you for it. You did not cause it. You're not the reason Max Scherzer no show to start two of them, Thank especially you. one in Atlanta. I don't blame you for that. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Finally. I blame you for holding his jock strap all the time, but not. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the very special Mets prediction edition of Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.